welcome. This is uh, your host, Attorney Alan Edmonds, and today is a special podcast. It's an open letter from me to the Senate Armed Services Committee, as well as to the Secretary uh, of Defense. Uh, this topic is so important, and it is at the forefront of many, many subcommittee meetings uh, in the Senate and in the House. And I thought I'd take the bull by the horns and cut through the malarkey of some of these uh, witnesses that testify at the Senate Armed Services Subcommittee hearings on personnel. Um, I've never seen such a group of people patronizing each other and patting each other on the back uh, and avoiding the hard issues. So as many of you know, I've been practicing military law for over 45 years. Um, I have not left my job, which is a full-time job supporting our veterans. It's also a full-time job defending veterans and active duty and retired military with security clearance matters, as well as military discharge upgrades. And uh, this topic is so big that today I can only touch upon one of several reasons why the armed services, the United States military, is having a, a huge problem with recruiting. Of course, the Army is falling flat on its face with recruitment, no matter how much they uh, put pressure on their recruiters, no matter how much they have daily, weekly, and monthly goals, people are falling short. And it's not just uh, the Army. Other services have acknowledged that their recruiting uh, numbers are dwindling. They may meet the goal, but they acknowledge that uh, they have nothing uh, on the bench, so to speak. And everybody's scratching their heads and they're wondering why. I'm quoting uh, some of the uh, witnesses that testified at a recent uh, armed services hearing on recruiting and retention. And uh, uh, I want to share this with you. Uh, the comments of Senator Tillis is, I want to know what we can do to help the military recruit the best and the brightest people in the service. And uh, of course, that, that's a very glowing question. And um, But he comes to the conclusion that, quote, unless we do things differently uh, and for the better, I believe every service except the Space Force is at risk of missing their recruiting numbers. And that's absolutely true. Um, he talks about DOD services, the potential recruits of uh, top two reasons, the top two reasons why young people don't join the military are the possibility of physical injury or death and the possibility of PTSD. He then goes on to cite that that's really not a, a valid or legitimate reason. And I respectfully take uh, issue with Senator Tillis and the entire committee and many of the active duty flag officers that testified. Everybody wants to whitewash this thing or sweep it under the carpet. So today I'm here to talk about a very narrow area where uh, recruiting is definitely impacted and it's impacted ironically uh, by our own uh, government institutions. And specifically, I'm talking about the Discharge Review Board. The Discharge Review Board sees 23,000 cases a month minimum, and uh, their job is to listen to veterans that have been uh, 
separated from the military with uh, negative discharges. And uh, at first blush on the surface, you may say, well, those are not people that we want to deal with anyway. Why are we talking about them? Well, those are people that have, in my experience of 46 years and having done thousands of military cases, these are the very people that have been mistreated while in the military. And uh, the government tries to, and especially the military, and I quote from the transcript of a hearing before the Senate Armed Services Committee, quote, and while I'm glad we are turning a corner in the way we talk and care about those who have PTSD and TBI, I am certain that the risk posed by these conditions shouldn't dissuade others interested Americans from enlisting. Well, that's not true. That's not true. You see, the, the population today is much more sophisticated. The population today lives in the digital world. They don't live in the analog world that many of these flag officers live in. They live in a digital world and communications is number one and they talk. And what happens, and recently I can attest because I just appeared at a discharge review board before the NDRB for a young Marine, and I'm going to get into that as an example of what the problem is. But these people talk to one another, and there are thousands of veterans that have PTSD, and there are thousands of veterans that have TBI, traumatic brain injury, and guess what? They didn't receive the best treatment in the military. As a recent uh, Marine testified who has PTSD, he said, often the help that we were afforded while in uniform after we were engaged in a hostile activity in, Af in Afghanistan and I had to carry dead bodies off the field or parts of dead bodies, he said the help that I was offered was really aimed at checking a box on a form that was required by an NCO to make sure they documented some form of treatment, but the treatment wasn't there. There was no substantive treatment. It was just checking the box. So on paper, the Marine Corps can act uh, like they did their job and have a clear conscience when reality is that the young Marine that experienced these traumas in hostile uh, environments, uh, in war, uh, they aren't treated. And of course, we all know uh, public knowledge that the treatment of veterans once they get out of the service is even more deplorable. So that's the problem. That's the problem about recruiting, which is you're dealing with a uh, pool of individuals, of applicants that are much more sophisticated and they don't believe the hype or the BS that the recruiters are necessarily spinning. And until the military community comes on board and makes substantive changes in certain uh, procedures and certain treatment, this is going to get worse because you can't pull the wool over on the eyes of these young people that are so connected in the digital world. And uh, the instance that I wanted to talk about was the Navy Discharge Review Board uh, there are so many times that I've presented cases there and I take these injured Marines in that have severe PTSD and the board, every member uniformly sends, spends more time discussing the misfeasance or the behavior of the Marine 
following PTSD than they do talking about what cures he was offered, what treatment he was offered substitute, and uh, also the good treatment or the good service that that Marine rendered prior to the uh, exposure of hostile or combat uh, situations that gave rise to the PTSD. Yesterday I did a board that lasted three hours. The young Marine spent 11 years in the Marine Corps and made it to Staff Sergeant in record time. He had 10 years of outrageous, glowing fitness reports. It was amazing. And then he went into Afghanistan and was asked and detailed to pick up wounded and dead uh, military members or parts of their body. And he did this. And it so traumatized him that he had severe PTSD. And he didn't know how to cope uh, with what the problems and the stress that was going on internally. The board was insensitive to that. The young Marine turned to alcohol to try and subdue the terrible and horrific nightmares that he was experiencing. And he did have a DUI. He did have public intoxication and he spiraled down, but the Marine Corps never gave the, uh, accountability for that condition to PTSD. Instead, they said the Marine voluntarily drank uh, or overconsumed alcohol, was alcohol abusive, and they squarely blamed his discharge on his conduct instead of what caused the conduct, which was PTSD that was undiagnosed. It was proven it was undiagnosed for many months, and it was untreated. So this poor young 20-year-old Marine gets out of the service and um, he has a OTH, other than honorable separation. His only shot is uh, at life is to get an upgrade. Uh, his fitness reports, his awards, decorations, and medals were incredible. And yet the board focused on him consuming alcohol uh, because of... Uh, his willful consumption of a controlled substance or alcohol instead of focusing on PTSD. And that's the gravamen. That's the problem that the military community has. They aren't willing to efface their own shortfalls and their own incompetence in number one, diagnosis, number two, treatment, and number three, follow-up after these veterans are released into the civilian community. Instead, they put a scarlet letter on them. They put a scarlet letter on them for uh, having alcohol incidents that stays with them for the rest of their lives. They can't get educational benefits. They can't get jobs. They can't get security clearances. When we dug into this case, I argued with the board and I said there was one fitness report from a captain that was totally derogatory. And the fitness report was based on a six month period of time. And it was interesting because the captain was new. You see, uh, my client went from uh, working with troops and being deployed and he self-actualized and performed absolutely at a stellar level. And then he was turned over to recruitment. Well, 
the phrase is very common. Don't go to recruitment. It's a career ender. You'll ruin your career if you go into recruiting. And that's precisely what happens to a lot of people. In the Army, there are recruiters that commit suicide. In the Marine Corps, there are recruiters that uh, leave. They go AWOL, UA. The pressure on recruiters, because of the testimony that was given at this particular Senate Armed Services hearing, uh, acknowledges that trying to reach recruitment goals becomes the number one drive, not the care of the military member, not the medical care of the military member, not the type of discharge they get or the possibility of rehabilitating them by giving them an honest shot at life. Rather, they uh, fill the recruiting uh, billets with people that aren't trained. Uh, they abuse uh, high school students. They abuse uh, their duties, and uh, they can't meet the goals. And those people become, unfortunately, victimized by uh, poor fit reps and get taken to non-judicial punishment and are summarily uh, separated from the service with a bad discharge, all because they took a recruiting role that they didn't even want and they couldn't achieve the goals that were set because they're impossible in this day and age. But given the backdrop of trying to recruit when the uh, young people at high schools are very much aware that there's no care by the military for young recruits. You've heard about sexual assaults in the military. You've heard how women actually really uh, don't want to go into the military because of the sexual assaults. And yet the military will do nothing with the NCO community to try and stop this recidivism. So to come full circle, the problem with recruiting in the military is on the flag officer's doorstep if they want to read it. And uh, the headlines are, take care of your uh, troops, take care of your Marines, take care of your sailors, take care of your soldiers and do it in a way that shows compassion and an honest attempt at rehabilitation. And don't just try and label these young people, men and women, with these terrible discharges and not give them an opportunity for rehabilitation or an opportunity for an honest, objective assessment of the facts surrounding the discharge and give them a uh, modified or an upgrade to that discharge. You see, the Discharge Review Board today is focused on maintaining the old discharge. They talk about uh, equity and the equitable grounds for an upgrade, but they don't focus on equity. They focus only on the negative aspects of a particular uh, military member's performance and not on the awards, decorations, or medals, not on the number of years of great service, and they certainly don't focus on the factors that gave rise to the change of behavior in these young military members. So given that these young people leave the military, they have a terrible discharge, such as an OTH or a general under honorable. They're denied benefits. They may spend 10, 11, 13 years in uniform and leave with nothing. 
And I have been a passionate advocate of treating enlisted the same as we treat the flag officers. We all know the story of all these flag officers that went to court-martial for months and months of sexual assault, months and months of uh, other discrediting behavior. And what happens to them? They get a slap on the wrist. They get a fine. A brigadier general gets a fine of $20,000 and gets busted a rank, but he he gets out of the service with an honorable separation after he has sexually assaulted a uh, lower-ranked officer for months. And that theme is repeated time and time again. Well, the young recruit off the farm with a high school education gets the hammer. So until that approach to treatment of our recruits changes, then the recruitment numbers are going to continue to dwindle because the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, the Air Force is archaic in their approach to personnel and management. They've not changed their system. Instead, they're trying to put a Band-Aid on a gashing wound that's bleeding profusely, and they're trying to lower their recruiting standards. And then they acknowledge that one out of seven uh, people uh, barely make it through qualifications and basic training. So this is your attorney, Alan Edmonds. This is a message to the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee for Recruiting and Retention. Um, I hope that I'd have an opportunity to talk to you folks because I could tell you some things that you're not hearing from these professional polished flag officers and witnesses that parade before you with glowing reports and aspirations. Um, call me 800-481-2526 and let's help our veterans. Let's do meaningful work for our veterans. And it starts with rehabilitation, not just medical rehabilitation, but let's rehabilitate them with uh, discharge upgrades. Thank you very much.